kind of funny to me how many people end up in their career because of a childhood love or hobby. You have the architect that couldn't get enough Legos, the mechanic that collected way too many Matchbox cars, or even the artist that sees a star-filled sky and grabs brushes instead of a telescope. These things become such massive parts of who we are, often at such young and formative ages, they become us. Well, if that's the case, and you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, it's not hard to connect the dots that for your three solid state presenters, one of those early loves was games. And in the case of today's episode specifically, the hardware we use to play them. We're going to take a step back and walk through the decades of truly foundational gaming history that started with an alliance that should have changed the landscape and instead created a fierce rivalry that lives on to this day. So sit back, log in, and let's talk PlayStation, a history. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Solid State Podcast. I'm your host, John Joyce. I'm Eric Sargent. And I'm Cody Toscano. And we're here. There's no other way to say it. We're here to have some fun this week. Um, I absolutely yeah. adore these episodes. It's equal parts walk down memory lane, talking what we have said time and time again is our favorite vertical within the vertical, and that that's gaming. And this is a uh, specifically one specific chunk that you know, as we've also referenced in the past, is one of those that borders on a religious war. Um, so we yeah. have a uh, <laughs> we, we, we've talked you know Nintendo history in the past, and in keeping with that ongoing piece, uh, we're here to talk this week. Um, there's no other way to say it. We're here to talk PlayStation, a history. Yep. So it, you really can't, definitely not console gaming, but you really can't talk about gaming in general. And yes, every PC person out there, please do not email me. I'm well <laughs> aware of your stance on this conversation. But when we talk about gaming in the sense of the people on the planet that play a game in some way, consoles make up such a genuinely incredible portion of that gaming population. And from a Venn diagram perspective, obviously, there is a ton of overlap there. A huge number of your PlayStation people also game on a PC. And there's Mm -hmm. even a, I would think, quite, I don't have numbers for this, but a pretty significant number of people who don't choose a side anymore and end up yeah. with, you know, over time, a place, you know, some combination of, if not all of the above, a PlayStation and a switch on the go and, you mm. know, a PC for certain games, or there's those crazy people that have a PlayStation, Xbox, switch, PC, and God knows what else. Yeah, I know. Gaming Eric, TV. I was, <laughs> I'm raising my hand. <laughs> I, was, I was literally slowly raising my hand over here as well, but we're not here to interrogate that today. Yeah. Um, but no, we're, we're here to talk PlayStation going back to because talking about PlayStation's roots are interesting because it's not quite like talking about Nintendo's roots like we did. A, mm-hmm. Well, that we can actually we can actually yeah. spin it because the last one history we did was Nintendo history. And we can spin that right into PlayStation because mm-hmm. the PlayStation actually started as a collaboration between Sony and Nintendo. There you it go. was supposed to be Nintendo's next console. And yep. they were talking about Disc it in 91. Yeah. And it was going to be the, you know, Nintendo's first disc based console that was supposed to come after the SNES. And it never came to fruition that the, they broke up, you know, not amicably, you know, Sony took its toys <laughs> and went home. Not and, amicably to this yeah. day is probably right. <laughs> a good way to describe that. Cause yep. I, I, and I've, I feel like I'm not inventing a cultural thing there. Like those two companies do not get along to this Doesn't day. Doesn't seem like, like it. That, that, yeah. That's, I mean, they're from competing. What I've heard, that's a thing. Their home market is, you Fair. know, they're, they're right there. They're they're probably their buildings. They can probably see each other. They're putting post-it notes up on the windows to you know <laughs> to pick on each other or whatever because they're so close. But yeah, so 1991 they had the partnership and it fell apart. And then the PlayStation, the original PlayStation came out three years later in 94. So yeah. they, they, and I'm trying to remember when the, I don't remember offhand, when did the SNES launch? That was 1990. So it was four years after the SNES. And then, you know, the, yeah, so they launch SNES. They start as these companies yep. do. They pivot directly into what's next. Yep, and exactly. um, that led to a attempted partnership with Sony that to your point fell apart very ungraciously and left Nintendo to go on to make the N64, not exactly a failure to launch situation. Right. So it took, it took Sony four, three years, whatever to get the PlayStation out, the original PlayStation out. And then it took Nintendo a further two years before they got their N64 out because they probably had to pivot 
completely mm-hmm. away from what their plan was right. to, you know, to come up with something new. So they got it out. And then by that, I mean, the N, the N64 was huge. I mean, don't get me wrong. That was a big deal still, but it kind of feels like as time went on, that was their last huge success until we get to the modern era. For sure, like yeah. The Wii and that the kind Game of Cube, stuff. Yeah, didn't launch that well either with the yeah. discs. Right. Um, I feel like, yeah, it was a big, you know, trajectory split right there because the Sony, like the games that were coming out on, on PlayStation were much different than those N64 oh, yeah. games, right? Yep. Um, so like it was seemingly like, oh, the discs let you do these types of games that, you know, you know, and then uh, huge games also like just mm-hmm. like I remember like one of my Crash Bandicoot. Big, yeah, one of my yep. big sense memories of the PlayStation is when I went to college, it was still a thing. It was like, you know, I graduated in the late 90s and PlayStation, the original PlayStation was still a thing. So when I went to college, you know, all the college kids were bringing their PlayStation to college. That's what they had there. So and I remember um, Final Fantasy seven launching when I was in college and mm-hmm. like just sitting there and like how many hours did I put into that game? Just hundreds of hours. Yep. (laughs) Did that, you know, going back and looking at the graphics now, it's a joke. Everything's all square and blocky, but man, at the time, at the time you thought that you were looking at a cartoon, you know, it was like the most amazing thing you'd ever seen. It's funny going back and looking at it now. Yeah. And when, when Sony announced the PlayStation, they announced the price at two 99, which was actually like a hundred dollars cheaper than the Sega Saturn at the time as well. Right. Yeah. Um, so they were definitely they were trying, really to, trying to undercut that low price point. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember we got that was one of the consoles that we got at launch because my brother had graduated high school and had his first real job, you know, outside <laughs> of high school and probably got like a single paycheck. And then the PlayStation dropped and he was like, and just spent all of his money. <laughs> yeah, all take my money. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we had that right at launch and, you know, played that a lot so that was and it, it was a, never actually made the discs for the 64 i think the 64 dd came out in japan but they never actually they, fully yeah discs we never saw it here generation yeah. so no, sony definitely made a blow there <laughs> they did yeah and i mean and it kind of i feel like they kind of changed the landscape and then you know and we'll talk about it in another episode and then you know Microsoft mm. comes along with the, the, the two punch <laughs> with mm. the Xbox, you know, and then you've got Sony. And then for a while, it seemed like Sony and Microsoft were the only two people in the conversation. And then Nintendo kind of became, you know, the, the, the runner up and like they were doing more. Oh, Nintendo's for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, and mm-hmm. Sony and PlayStation, you, know, you, know, PlayStation you were out there buying you can get, you know, yep. Gran Turismo. Oh man, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Speaking of mm-hmm. getting back on track with PlayStation games, man, that was I don't I'd never played a game like that before mm-hmm. when that came out. Like with the the stealth stuff and like yep. trying to, you know, that was that was really cool. That was a well, great and that, game. that actually touches on a really interesting point that I think lends because it's one of the key differences. Between, um, between Sony and one of its more modern competitors that we'll get to more in more detail, which is, of course, we already mentioned the Xbox. And I think because Sony was bred, I'm sorry, PlayStation was bred out of that earlier day of, you know, PlayStation V Nintendo, mm-hmm. um, exclusives were... The, I mean, that was there was very yeah. rare that a game came out on more than one platform back then. Yeah. And today we talk about exclusives in the sense of like, you know, there's the games that get you. You have, you know, let's call it what it is. You have Call of Duty that gets released on everything with a processor chip yep. and the games like it. And then you have the four or five exclusives out there that these companies vie for or in the case of Microsoft, just buy up whole companies to have yep. exclusive ownership over mm-hmm. because that's the differentiator today. But back then. I, at least my memory of it was it was not common at all for a single title to launch and have it appear on multiple platforms. They partnered early because of what the development cycles were like to get on these platforms. Like yeah, Metal I can't. Gear. Unless it was like a movie I'm actually game, having trouble. Right, that they made five yeah. times, you know. But. I was going to say, I'm having trouble thinking of anything outside of like the Lego games that were right. on everything back right. then. Yeah. You know, there was... Yeah, it, but yeah, yeah it was all I mean, on like, those first party IPs, I guess. And they right, were I mean, yeah, we got what, like, and stuff. So with with Sony, it was like Crash Bandicoot, yep. um, Spyro, Spyro. Uh, eventually, um, Ratchet and Clank comes yeah. into the picture, which is really big. Yeah, those are one of my favorite games. Later. Yep, yeah. Metal so, Gear you know, for sure. Metal Gear was one of the early ones for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was you know, and they did it, and I get it. They were doing it to 
bring people over to the to their side of the war mm -hmm. the console war or whatever you know oh well we've got metal gear you can't get that anywhere else and people right. would come and and you mentioned final fantasy that for a long time those were pretty yep. much playstation games yeah yeah and which was hilarious because that was a switch because for yep. the longest time it was nintendo i mean mm -hmm. all the final fantasy games that's yeah, what i yes, grew up playing final yeah. fantasy on was nintendo mm -hmm. and then and, and even dragon quest also was also just on nintendo and nowhere else and then they all switched to Sony. Yeah. So I feel, cause I feel like the, the concept of the exclusive is certainly, again, it's a real thing across the board today, as we know, but I feel like it was baked into the DNA very early yeah. of PlayStation as a brand, because that also, I feel like was a big differentiator. Again, skipping forward here, we're kind of all over the place into definitely still the PS5, but I remember distinctly PlayStation 4 versus Xbox One. One mm. of the key things was a Microsoft's disastrous messaging around that console, which we'll discuss in right. much greater detail yeah. in a future yeah, episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the other thing was PlayStation 4 could just stand on its ridiculous collection at the time of genuine exclusives. Yeah. Like there were just there there were, that was just like the thing was like, yeah, the Xbox is great, but I need a PlayStation to play. And then a person could just rattle off seven, eight, ten games that were all top Just tier triple a properties yep. and i think they owed that th that late in the game to how much that was part of that early experience in the 90s and into the early 2000s with the ps2 and the yeah. ps3 so. and a lot of single player experiences i feel like a lot of sony's yes uh, exclusives are like that single player story like you're kind of playing through um you know high graphic quality all that yep yeah so the circling back to the original PlayStation. So right. Cody, you touched on it. Two hundred ninety nine dollars for the original price tag, and Which it was is bonkers. A, like every time we yeah. talk about these episodes, yeah, it's, it's bonkers to remember how expensive these consoles were. And not just all of them back in the day, because even today, two hundred ninety nine dollars, like that would be one of these consoles on sale for sure. But you adjust yeah. for time and inflation, that is a hefty purchase in 1994 like really truly and again the n64 was the same way like all these consoles were really really expensive eric to your, to your point that, that could have been more than a paycheck I and mean, for a lot of people like, especially yeah. a, you know like quote unquote no, I, i'm pretty situation. sure it was several yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so that would be for today is 600 bucks 600 yeah. bucks yeah that's what i was about mm -hmm. to say 600 so it's kind of yeah it's almost in line but it yeah. was a um it was a 33 megahertz risk chip in there and they had a toshiba designed gpu it doesn't say like cores or anything about the gpu just to, i really just really toshiba enjoy like GPU. the names back then that were involved in chips that today it's just like wait what <laughs> like you mean the risk yeah. chips or even just toshiba yeah. making a gpu a gpu <laughs> sure yeah but oh, it was okay the console didn't include dedicated 2d silicon resulting in some 2d games looking better on rival platforms that's funny so it was designed primarily to be fully a 3d system right. and they didn't really even account for 2d games 2D performance yeah yep. two megabytes of ram <laughs> nice. and 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 something that i forgot the original controller that it came with like a few years later it came they finally came out with the dual shock controller yep. Yep, the where, where it had the actual yeah. thumbsticks on it they didn't even have thumbsticks when it first launched which i totally forgot about i yep. when i imagine a playstation controller i you always imagine those two black sticks. thumbsticks yep. but yeah it didn't have it on the original one and if um, we think about it that that by itself was a groundbreaking development and yeah. i had a very real experience recently and now we're once again off sony but shocker to no one um it was a very big deal for me rare released re-released goldeneye and I think we might have mentioned on yep. a previous episode, and I've been having mm -hmm. a ton of nostalgic fun going back and playing GoldenEye. That is like a foundational tentpole yeah. title to me. Mm -hmm. When I think about spending too many hours, you know, over the summer, play, you know, in a dark room playing a video game, it was playing GoldenEye. Um, it's a really, really, you know, big memory connection to that. But one of the biggest deals about it, about playing it, ironically, on the Xbox, was that because of Microsoft's we'll call it partnership, but it's real ownership of <laughs> rare. Um, they of course released the best version of the golden eye remake for the Xbox, not mm -hmm. for what would say right. be the switch, the modern Nintendo platform. Cause golden eye was of course an N64 property at the time. Yep. Exclusive. Yeah. Exclusive. <laughs> yeah. But the big change was with the version released for Xbox, it has dual stick support. 
because we are so programmed on every console now mm-hmm. to yep. play in a dual stick sense. And I attempted to go back and play GoldenEye on this because originally I'm like, okay, Nintendo played it on N64, Switch makes sense. It was unplayable because there yeah. was no dual stick experience in trying to emulate an N64 because I don't have the first party. Like I know they have the N64. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're always sold now, out. Now yeah. we're completely off the rails, but just like trying to play a single stick game in a dual stick device was virtually unplayable compared to just picking up a Xbox uh, controller and basically playing Goldeneye like Halo. Like, it's just mm, called yep. what it is. They basically mapped Halo controls to the game, which was amazing and let me have a really nostalgic experience in a modern comfy way. But bring it full circle back to Sony, that's all lended to really one of the most paradigm shifting experiences in gaming and really input today is the mm-hmm. concept. Cause I even think about like stepping aside of like VR experiences, obviously huge, like um, leaps forward being made with like um, eye hand tracking and all that yeah. kind of stuff to give you more like touch centric interfaces. But what's the primary method of interacting in VR right now? They put two things around your hands, and guess what? There's a thumbstick thumb under each mm-hmm. of your thumbs. Oh, so yeah. like that, that that dual stick experience has pervaded a lot of like just verticals and platforms. Yeah. And in a big way, it goes back to not even at launch, but well into the P- the, the, the PlayStation or the PS1 as we yeah. call it now. Mm-hmm. So before we move on to the PlayStation 2 in here, I wanted to touch. So this is one of the last, you know defects with a funny fix that i remember on a console (laughs) i don't know if you guys remember this so like with nintendo it was you know on the original nes your your game wouldn't play you'd pull it out you'd blow in the cartridge right and then it would start working and then they told you don't do that but still it worked so we always (laughs) did the playstation the original playstation had a defect with the laser and i remember having to do this so it would occasionally the laser would have a problem where it wouldn't read the discs and the only way to fix it was to turn your PlayStation upside down. No <laughs> kidding. Yeah, you turn the PlayStation, the whole place, because it was a big box. It was well, just a big I, square. I it. So yeah. you turn it upside down, and the disc was pressed in there. But it, the way it would, it would like cause gravity to like pull the laser down in a certain way that it would start working again, and you could play your games <laughs> with it upside amazing. down. And so, yeah. that was just the permafix until your PlayStation died, and you had to yep. get a new one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you amazing. could probably send it in and get the whole laser thing replaced for as much as sure. you paid for the whole console for the or whole something, console. but yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. But yeah, so the next that's release awesome. was the PS2 in 2000. So right, you know, I mean, was that six years after the launch of the original one, they launched mm-hmm. the, uh, the PlayStation 2, which I feel like was the console you oh, know, the, like I, that yes, era, the PS2 ton. was like, PS2. yeah. It was iconic. I mean, no, there, there's yeah. no other way to describe the PS2. I mean, which is hilarious a, because that's the one console I never had. Never was had. the iconic yeah. one. <laughs> it, I missed that one completely. I want to say it went through three thousand hardware iterations. Oh, like yeah. I, there for yeah. a while, I, I I'm pretty sure they adopted the iPod model of every Christmas. They just need to change the, the shape and the color yeah. a little yep. bit, and people will just buy yet another PlayStation. I mean, let, let's just let's start at the beginning by talking about the end. This console was on sale for 13 years. Yeah. And and it was honestly, I think one of the biggest things that helped it was it had it had DVD compatibility. Yeah, from it was launch. a DVD player. Mm-hmm. I think yep. it was pri- it was most people's first DVD player. DVD player. It was like well, a cheap DVD player, actually. Well, right. that that's just yeah. it. And that that is another thing that we will see woven through even into the next console. And I won't cheat all the way ahead, ahead just yet, but that that concept that you just described, uh, a major media platform entering a lot of people's living rooms for the first time attached to their game console yeah. for more or less the same price of just buying the standalone device, that's something that's gonna that's 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 gonna be a thread woven through multiple generations of this platform. And uh, yeah. you know the the DVD thing it was if we think about really goes all the way back to the beginning with the disc, like the CD being mm. the big standout for the PS one yep. compared to its competition, that DVD player. I mean, I, I was one of them because the, the PS two, I mean, it had been out for many years at this point, but it was still like well into its cycle. Um, it was like the DVD player in my dorm room. Like yeah. our PS two was like <laughs> yeah. our, our old ish game. It console. was the, and it was our the DVD first, player. 
it was the first kind of central media console yep. that existed. Like where, oh, I don't need anything else. All I need is it this was my box. one device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and which is pretty cool. And they they got they got silly with the names on this one too. Like with the you know, we talked about the 33 megahertz risk chip on the last one oh, and God. the Toshiba designed whatever. So this is the one where they had Sony designed the emotion engine CPU oh and the graphics synthesizer that. GPU. So they just started like throwing buzzwords into the names of the CPU. It was oh. probably like a, tw- a double speed CPU it was a 66 megahertz or a hundred megahertz or whatever. You know sure. what I mean? It was just, it was just a regular CPU, but they just named it something fancy. But oh I think one gosh, of the big things amazing. that helped that console was it in my memory it was the first console with backwards compatibility. Huh. Yeah, as far as I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is. Yeah, so like you could, oh, I have I have 400 PlayStation games and mm-hmm. the PS2 came out. You know, if it was Nintendo, you've got your NES and the SNES came out of yep. the Nintendo 64. Good luck. You keep and your you old plunk, console. Uh, yeah, because you, you plunk it down right one. next to the old one to keep right. playing your old library. Right, and this one you get the the PS2 and you put your PS1 games in there and guess what? They run and they probably run a little bit better. Mm-hmm. right you know because you've got that's a, a game changer right if you want to yeah. upgrade or you know then it makes it like yeah i will upgrade i could still play all right. of my old because games. that's the that's the great yeah. thing too because you always had that buddy who yep. was late to adopt everything who you could then sell your playstation 2 for half price uh-huh. and go take that money and turn it around into Everybody's a ps2 and still keep all friend. your games you know <laughs> so but, yeah, but it's I, true because we talk about how expensive the consoles were, but Eric, it actually reminds me a lot about, you know, our, our camera episode, you know, you, you buy the camera, you marry the glass. Yep. And um, like, that was a big deal here because if you think about it in totality, sure, you buy the console, you marry the games. I mean, the, yeah. there are games in my life that, A, we go back to just the GoldenEye example, I'm playing decades later because I'm so yep. connected to them, but also back then especially because they were just available on these singular platforms they represented huge investments like people that really went all in on these platforms would have hundreds and likely thousands of dollars invested in these game libraries and when you take backwards compatibility off the table poof it's either Mm -hmm. keep your old one going back to your earlier point upside down on the shelf to keep running your old games or Hey, run out and go buy this. Yeah, we get it. It's launch weekend. There's three titles available, but you can also go plop a disc from your other. Yeah, you can play all your old games. Your favorite games still work. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that I don't remember. Well, I mean, we'll move on to the PS3, but I know the PS3, the original PS3, because they changed it later on, had yeah. backwards compatibility with PS2, and I think it did with select PS1 titles also. It did, and then the, okay. the later models they they took it out. Yeah, as they slimmed it down, they removed right. the backwards they had, compatibility. Yeah, because because that was an interesting bit about that, and we'll just touch on it early because we're talking about it now. They actually had like the PS2 chips. Right, it was hardware motherboard. Driven. It was like a yes. double. It was like mm-hmm. a double CPU, so you could yep. depending on what game you put in, it would use a different CPU in there, which is. Sounds very expensive, but, you know, they wanted to keep that backwards compatibility because they want that was kind of their selling point with the PS2. So they wanted to keep that rolling with the PS3, mm-hmm. at least for well, a while. And, and it was the, the PS3. And we'll jump back to the PS2 here in a second. But it was it was considerably more expensive. I think a hundred yeah. or more dollars more expensive than the Xbox one of the day. And that was because it would do in large part to. They literally had a second console in yeah, there. It was basically a PlayStation nuts. 2 and a PlayStation 3 sandwiched uh-huh. together. Did, did yeah. they dro- I think it was like they were $600 when they dropped they were for it. Very, they were yeah. very expensive. Well, I think it might have been 500 and the Xbox of the day might have been $399. Like, okay. but, yeah, was, yeah. but there was a $100 gap more or less between the two. But then when they – and this is how I'm going to bring a full circle back to the PS2. As they slimmed it down, one of the things they did was drop that additional hardware, which then by extension dropped the backwards compatibility because right. they weren't doing – in a traditional sense when we think about like back compat on the xbox today they're accomplishing that through emulation yeah they're like modern sense, yeah. we mm-hmm. emulate games to do backwards compatibility I, the ps3 would have been one of the last examples i can think of of they were they were accomplishing backwards compatibility at a hardware level i mean going yeah. back to the ps2 it was able to do it not because there was a ps1 chip in there but because back then frankly the chips were still so similar the platforms were so native to each other you could just run the code you know what i mean mm-hmm. like they they could just run last platforms code and it ran just fine or eric yeah. to your point it probably upscaled a little bit yeah but so uh, 
I mean, the they're PlayStation honestly... Two. Sorry, they, I, we didn't mention it. It also released at two ninety nine. The PlayStation Two. Right. Yeah. yeah. They kept that same price. So yeah. that, that's really good too. And they eventually did some add ons, like you could get a broadband mm-hmm. adapter for it as broadband became you know oh, more readily available. That, and, I mean, we even we even glazed over with the PS One. I mean that those earlier consoles was like that was the heyday of we're going to sell you this additional piece of hardware to add functionality that's really not a thing today like we buy controllers or steering wheels or whatever but outside of like interface devices like i remember i'm gonna jump right back to the ps1 real quick one of my memories i never owned a ps1 but a very dear friend that he was like all in on playstation and he had the i don't remember what it was called but it was an add-on where it plugged into one of the ports and it gave you the ability for eight person multiplayer. It was yep. literally just a brick with yeah. eight controller inputs <laughs> yep. that grafted onto the front of the console. And you want to see something ridiculous is eight teenagers yeah. huddled around a TV because sure you could have eight um, controllers, but the cords are still only so long and you can yeah. only get so <laughs> far away it was from still, the TV. <laughs> it was still tube TVs and uh-huh. it was, they were likely a 13 inch tube TV or a 27 inch. If you were a Melting lucky kid. Eyeballs. Yep. Yeah. But oh. yeah, so they, after the PS two, you know, I'm thinking in my head, let's jump to the PS three, but I forgot between the PS2 and PS3 in 2004, we got the PSP. The oh, PlayStation yeah, we Portable did. came that's out. That's true. <laughs> I had one. So that's a really great point because we talked about it during the Nintendo episode. You know, it's very easy to get caught up in the console stream, but then mm-hmm. right on the consoles was Sony realized they needed, or at least they felt yep. they Cody there it still is. Got it. Cody nice. still got my up. PSP, absolutely. The, that, well, they feel they needed, the market says they felt they needed to go head to head with. Now, that would have been more or less, can you tell I didn't do my homework? We would have been well past the Game Boy at that point. Like, we would have been yeah. in the like DS mm-hmm. era. Like, that would have been more of a DS. I believe computer. so. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because I, yeah, I had a DS too. <laughs> I mean, going back to a literal last week episode, I am, we are big fans of competition and spaces. So I'm all about mm-hmm. Sony, you know, making the choice to jump in and do this. But on the flip side, man, that takes guts to be like, yeah. well, Nintendo has been selling basically a billion game boys for over a decade, actually almost two at that point. Yeah. We want a slice of that pie. What, yeah. Let's jump in guys. And not only we want to do better graphics. We want like higher fidelity and stuff. Like they wanted to make an actually, they did kind of, they went, they went all in on the PSP. They really did. They did. Well, because they, that their attempt was, and, and I give them credit. They felt they had, they felt they had a great formula at the, at the, not desktop, like the living room console level, because as is true today, the Sony equivalent was more powerful, had better graphics. Like it was compared to the Nintendo console, you know, living room console of the day. That was how they were getting market share was by just having a more powerful device. So the logic flow I'm sure was, well, if we're doing that so successfully in the living room, why can't we do that? You know, they've got this DS over here and yeah, it's got a thousand games for it and they're relatively mm-hmm. inexpensive blah 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 but what if we brought that you know what if we brought the living room graphical experience to your pocket like i remember a lot of the ads yeah. at the time which is like they were going to melt you with graphics and give you oh, yeah. great battery life cough cough and you know all these games that you know and love from the, like that was the play um and i will i don't want to call it not successful because i feel like it did I feel like it maybe did better than I remember. I just mm. think that it's one of those things where by itself, I doubt they lost money. Maybe they did. Again, I have not done my homework on this particular piece, yeah. but I feel like it probably did just fine. The problem is you then have to compare it to its direct competition. The DS, mm. one of the most prolific game consoles in the history of the planet. Well, yeah. I mean, I think if comparison. you, if, yeah, if you compare it to that, it's it's tough to say it was a success, but I just looked it up. In the ten years that the PSP was sold, it sold over eighty million units. That's right. pretty good. That's not that's, unsuccessful. That's, no, <laughs> I mean, I really, so. what it ran into its biggest issue that I remember was one that you know it, it was games. I, I didn't have enough games. Yep. It, it didn't have enough games. They had I those ga- tiny disc based yes. games. Yeah, for they board. leaned all the way into disc is what made us special in the 90s. So let's just keep that going. Yep. They had those little like yeah. cartridges that had a disc UMD. inside of them. UMDs. Yep. yep. 
And because like, we won't have a disc, we don't want them to get scratched mm. in your pocket. So here's a <laughs> cartridge that's really a disc. Like that's actually a really neat metaphor for what I always felt with the PSP was it was a it was an amazing feat that I never really truly thought that they cracked what they wanted it to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's something in the article that I was looking at about this device that one of the things that they were touting that never came to be, but they showed like a demo of it was that you could use your PSP as a rear view mirror <laughs> in an in a racing game. So it would be Why? like a separate You'd like put it up. <laughs> yeah. I do not remember that. Yeah, it was that like some kind of a tech demo that they did where they had like a P like a PSP hanging like up on mounted and you could like you were you know with your steering wheel plugged into your PS3 at the time driving and you could like glance up at your rear view mirror, which was your PSP. Be sure to like, buy your rear view mirror attachment. The most PC. expensive rear view mirror ever. Oh my gosh. But, that might be in a nutshell the most Sony thing I've ever yep, heard in my exactly. entire life. Yeah. And, I, and I think your point, Eric, about like the PS2 being like, you know, it had the DVD player, you know, it was like that one yeah. box, you know, compared to the DS, like the PSP had like a web, you know, a web browser. You could actually go online That's with it. That's true. You know? yep. um, it had wireless, you know, so I think there was like it it was similar like oh i could hack it and put movies on it or like it was more yeah. of like a little computing device that like well, it was, was a more superior fun. piece of hardware yeah it, it, it mm-hmm. gen- and because I, I mean somewhere someone at sony is getting ready to just strike a voodoo doll of me but like uh, what i remember and this was very late in life for the psp but one of the like it was around the time that i would have been in college and Everyone I knew that was going out and shell, I mean, they went out and bought these things full dollar. Sony was getting their money, but they would take them home and hack them mm-hmm. because it was compared to the, bringing back to the DS of the day. If you liked good hardware, and I said this back in the Nintendo episode, I've never been impressed as a gadget, as a device with Nintendo's mobile hardware until the Switch. Yeah. The Switch is mm-hmm. the first mobile device that nintendo ever made where i was like man that's a nice piece of hardware yeah. and the psp was a nice piece of hardware. it was it was nice to hold it was great components oh, yeah. it looked good so people would hack them and put nintendo library games on <laughs> yeah. them because they were the best way to play a lot of to these emulate. games on yeah i homebrewed my psp as well yeah so and it wasn't hard that was the thing there was like a there was like a game or something like that you could yeah it was, yeah you just run it yeah so so then after like, you know, moving the, the PS2 stuck around, like you said, John, for a long time, long time. And the last thing I want to say before we transition out of it was yeah. it set up because we alluded to before it set up a trend that Sony went down into this next generation. We're now going to mention it, And I'm going into looking forward. I imagine they're going to do in this generation, which is their playbook of launch it and slim it like that. That really was that 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 is like part of their play and actually goes back to even the ps1 had several hardware yep. iterations of itself yep. so it didn't mm. start with the ps2 but when i think about it i can think of just off the top of my head three or four distinct physical versions of the ps2 that yep. well after you would have thought it would have went out of sale you could walk into any best buy oh, i think yeah. one of them at one point got to 99 dollars yeah, I definitely. So. I mean, like slim versions. And that was the thing. It was it was for sale alongside the PS3 for so long. Yep. People would go in and have a decision. Do I want the new one that I pay, you know, a large amount for, or I'll just get this one. And then when I can afford the other one, I'll upgrade and it's backwards compatible. Yep. You know, it's like they they were kind of playing both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, they it was it was a really smart move by them. And That's very smart. And we were talking about the, you know, the kind of media centric nature that it started to take on. If it started that trend, the, the PS3 solidified it. Absolutely. So, um, they, 2000, it was announced at, um, E3 in 2006, it looks like the PS3 was in the summer. Yep. Yeah. And so again, you know, they did this Sony just loves doing this. It has a purpose-built cell processor. Oh, the cell processor. Whatever. The, you the know. deal they made over the cell processor and the number of articles I read about yep. insert organization here is buying this many PS3s and they're chaining them together into a yes, supercomputer because right. of the power yep. of the cell processor. That's like right. there was a media moment around the cell processor was, you know, going to be the next coming of general purpose computing. But I digress. And never happened. Yeah. But anyway, this no. was this was the one of the first, you know, it was it was a 1080p console, you know, so it was yep. like quote unquote True full HD. HD. Yep. And you know, HDMI and and um 
had a Blu-ray drive. So again, and we they're they're putting out a device to be media centric. It was it was my first Blu-ray player. Absolutely, it was mine. I was so excited yep. to be able to put a Blu-ray and and you know have a high definition picture on my television. It was like mind blowing to me. You know, well, to see and that, I distinctly remember so. And we'll touch on this in much greater detail when we do, of course, the Xbox of history. But alongside that was one of my personal favorite moments in consumer technology, which was the Blu-ray HD DVD format war. HD DVD. Uh That's right. Yeah. Somehow inexplicably became a PlayStation versus Xbox format war. And I... Many, many, many things led to the downfall of HD DVD. Mm-hmm. Don't mishear me on that. But to <laughs> yeah. your point, Eric, I genuinely believe one of the things that solidified and ensured Blu-ray success was that it was hitched to the tails of the success of the PS3. Yep, absolutely. Because it was a hugely, hugely yeah, successful Because everybody, everybody wanted to keep all their ps2 games so they got a ps3 and it was one of the biggest selling consoles so now you've got millions of people with ps3s with blu-rays you're you're already you know you've already got a footprint out there for people who want to start going and buying those but yeah you were right about the price on it so they had been at that 299 price point for so long and then and then the ps2 had been out for so long that its price had been lowered it was at probably 199 at the by that point and then and then they go up on stage at E3 2006 and announce a four hundred and ninety nine dollar yeah, price tag for the twenty gigabyte base model and a five ninety nine price tag room. for the yeah. for the, they they said it elicited gasps from the crowd when Absolutely. they released the pricing. Yeah. So it was a big deal. I remember hearing of that. Yeah, and and you know it was like they didn't sell a lot of them at first. The PS3 got off to a really really Very slow start. start because it was so it, the the price tag just turned everybody off. Well, it was going I didn't up even own one until the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had an Xbox in this generation. I went from a PS2 to a 360 at, at this point. Yeah, the and, and I, go ahead, I ponied up. I ponied up the dough for the PS3 when it came right. out, and uh, right. it was not right at launch. It was a little bit after, yeah. like the first Christmas sale they had on it or whatever. I picked one up, but yeah. I, I discovered like, Halo. Yeah. Had to go. I, <laughs> yeah. I had friends that had this. Like my experience with them was was people that did pony it mm-hmm. up. Um, I, I just remember like that. Obviously, the concept of like the console war goes all the way back to, as we already said, the invention of the console. Yeah. But this specific one, PS3 versus Xbox 360, was yep. like, I feel like just one of the most vicious console war yeah. moments because it was, you want to talk about it becoming a religious debate. You yeah. had oh, yeah. Xbox people and you had PlayStation people. Well, that wasn't and then, new, but it was deepened dramatically yeah. during that during that time period and then you had eric the pacifist that was the first generation of consoles where i had both i was like <laughs> oh, why not both you yeah. know so not I, both. <laughs> who needs a thousand dollars no right you know i mean i got them over time but no, you know and then and then eventually my my ps3 as that whole generation xbox and playstation of that generation they had heat problems in oh, both of yeah. them so yep. eventually the heat from those cell processors and whatever the Xbox had, they would um, burn off all of the thermal compound and eventually yep. they just stop working. Yeah, you were talking like, about... with, with the Xbox, it was the red ring of death. I don't mm-hmm. remember what they called it on the PlayStation, the PS3, but it, it was essentially the same thing. You would eventually not be able to start your mm-hmm. PS3. And I, I had that happen. I went online. I found the Fix-It article. I ripped my PS3 apart replace the thermal compound, put it back together, and it never worked again. So no. <laughs> I just I, uh, stuck with my the... Xbox from there. And I and I have not owned a PlayStation since a PS3. I've never <laughs> owned the PS4 or a PS5 yet. Yeah. So I want one, but I haven't owned one yet. So. Yeah, the, the equivalent to turning the PlayStation 1 upside down was exactly. the red rings of death. I remember, I don't know if you did this, John, uh, where you wrapped it in a, in a towel. towel and oh, you just yeah. leave it on and like, I guess it would remelt it would yeah. and remelt the thermal <laughs> yeah. compound or something yeah. like that. So yeah. things that never worked for me. And mine, um, it, it, mine worked, and it, oh, it kept working forever good after for that. You. I was like, "This is amazing." But I remember reading on the internet, people would take their PS3s apart and pull out the motherboard and put the motherboard in the oven, oh, in the oven at a certain oh. temperature, and it would like rebake <laughs> the chips, and then they would let it cool and pull it out and put it back oh, in, and it would work. That's so crazy. Yeah, I I'm never sorry. did. I never passed that the thermal but... limits on that board. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that we lived in a 
comparatively non-social media driven yeah. time in our lives <laughs> yeah. and something like that still proliferated the community mm. hey guys rip out the motherboard yeah. of your playstation chunk it, it in, in the, the oven, oven. <laughs> yeah what's the worst that that's, could happen? That, that's the console equivalent of tide potting i'm sorry that's or, absolutely or, ridiculous yeah like putting you know put this put this fork in the microwave to you know clean your microwave and then everyone yeah. does it and everybody points oh. and laughs yeah so, so, we're, so we're at the PS3. Yep. Yeah. And, and, it, and this was a big thing about the PS3 that I thought was super cool when it came out because I'm a geek. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's so awesome. I you could you could dual boot the PS3 with, with Linux. Linux. Yep. <laughs> I and it. I did it. Someone and had to like, say it. <laughs> and I was like, neat. And then I reflashed it and never touched it again because yeah. it was yep. like, why would I ever do that? <laughs> it was cool. Yeah. You could. And then I could the, also the minute go they released the second generation they couldn't you couldn't do it anymore so. right you could also grab any ancient computer and just throw linux on yeah so you know the, the things i was not looking to do was bogart my 600 game console right. and turn it into a linux desktop a linux just back back doing. when linux was essentially unusable for the average job for, the, for, for mm. a per, for a user yeah. yes no it was not um so PS3, same same general idea, went through multiple iterations. We talked yep. that it launched at a hugely high price point. They then backed off. They slimmed it down, again, I think multiple times. I vividly yeah, remember yeah. that first PS3, quote unquote, slim, because like generally the whole form factor changed. It wasn't like they hit the shrink it button on it. Like I remember we went from like that massive Weird piece of art. Yes, thing that they shiny tried to plastic. Do. Yeah. It was. I think that first slim was matte plastic, which I actually think made it st- stand out. Like I don't know, it looked like dark and mysterious, and like this thing that sure. just disappeared into your into your entertainment center. Um, and they that had a suction I think, disc drive as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like that was that was the moment that made the PS3 ubiquitous to me. Like when they slimmed it down that first time and got the price point down, yeah. it went from like, holy crap, you pony up for a PS3 to, and all my friends have a PS3. Like that was, that was just like that, that was that moment. And I think it coincided in a big way to going back to exclusives. It gave that generation a chance to get its feet under it. Titles yeah. wise, yeah. because they set themselves up for a great moment drop the price slim down the console here's a bunch of great games that's the that's the cocktail for selling a bunch of game consoles Mm, it just was and that's pretty much where i was at i had it towards the end of the life cycle and i bought all the games that i didn't play that were like the exclusives and yeah yeah And, and so this is this is a funny bit of trivia that i did not know um the cell processor that was such a big deal that we touched on earlier was designed in partnership with IBM and Toshiba in a deal worth $400 million. Then IBM went and offered a modified version after they iterated and perfected it in the PlayStation with Sony and all that kind of stuff. They offered a modified version of the processor to Microsoft who used it in their Xbox 360. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So Sony basically (laughs) helped fund the processor that, went into their, their competitor yeah, yeah that's that would be correct. crazy it's bonkers come on ibm <laughs> so we're like ooh, next contract yeah hey that's what it's about um <laughs> competition's a beautiful thing now oh. um so we'd be remiss before jumping to the playstation 4 um as we get closer and closer to modern era because we touched yeah. on the psp mm-hmm. and 80 million i mean there, again it's just so hard when you compare to something like the like the Game Boy or the the DS mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. But the PSP was a good. So I knew people that had PSPs, like regular yep. people, like not hardcore gamers. I knew regular Joes on the bus that had PSPs. That console moved and people played it. And Sony figured, well, we've now got this PS3, we've got all this new hardware, and we have a mobile console that really seems to be catching steam. Why not make another one? And that led to one of my favorite failures of consumer (laughs) electronics history, um, the PS Vita. Mm -hmm. Because the Vita would have launched in, I think it was 2011, and the PS4 didn't come till 13. So this was definitely late cycle. It was actually 2012, it looks like, for the PS Vita. I might have, okay, I might have launched. I think I got yeah. an announced probably. Probably an announcement, sure, yeah. yeah. It was late. It was yep. very late cycle in the yeah. PS3 era. But it was styled like that earlier PS3. It was glossy plastic and mm-hmm. had the you know very, very shiny uh, um, glass display. It had an OLED it, screen. 
in oh, yeah. impeccable hardware again it's as yeah, a mm-hmm. hardware nut i because i like you cody i have a psp and a vita on my shelf at home and i just like picking that thing up sometimes i just like booting it up sometimes because even navigating the menus is a pleasurable experience like everything about that device was as close to perfect as a handheld i felt could have been in that era and frankly you jazz up the specs i feel you could sell the thing today and it wouldn't yep. look out of place on a store shelf. It was a triumph of hardware and design. Oh, that totally. You couldn't there, do anything with. There's still like a, a small U. community. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure there is. But Cody, I think you would agree this was a Wii U level desert of games to play. Oh yeah. There there was pretty much nothing to play on it. Um the they have proprietary storage, so you couldn't just yep. buy any oh, card right. to like download your games little, to. So and many stuff. memory sticks, yeah, the memory sticks that do. were three times the price of the yeah. insert memory stick next to it on the shelf at Best yeah. Buy. Twenty dollars for a four gig stick, yeah. essentially. So it was like you know, even if you had games, you didn't want to spend more money just to be able to like load well, them on. Because that was the other thing; it was all digital storage. There, there was no there. Maybe, was there the games did have line? little cards? Um, okay. But then there was only internal, like you, they had a store and you could like That's buy right. things off of it That's and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. But like the UMDs of the PSP, those were gone. Yeah, those were so, gone. So Eric, going back to your point, I think one of its biggest failures to launch was, see that PSP library over there on your shelf? Wish it goodbye unless you can buy it again on our digital right. app store. Like that, that and, was that and was only it. like I think two or three of like the main popular ones that they remade for consoles. So like those games are still just, they live on there. You can't play them unless you have a Vita, right? Yep. Uh, so, I mean, the, the Vita was just, I remember seeing, I didn't own one for years after it came out. I got okay. it on some ridiculous, like Best Buy flash sale or whatever, because I always admired the hardware. Right. And, um, and, and by that point too, there were enough games that at a low enough price point, you could justify it. You know, there there mm-hmm. were a dozen or so worthy games and even those were on sale mostly. It was, I definitely partook like very late. Like we were well into the PS4 by the time I got the Vita and then they got into like remote play stuff. That was, I mean, the Vita tried a bunch of stuff. I mean, I kudos oh, yeah. to Sony. They did remote they play. Didn't get, they didn't give up overnight, but mm-hmm. man, talk about just when I think about things that just didn't live up to their potential. I think of the Vita every time because everything should have been going for it, but some key executions weren't there. And I really, really do think backwards compatibility from launch was one of the biggest missing parts. If people could have just genuinely picked up and played their entire PSP library day one on the Vita, Mm -hmm. I, I think we'd have a very different competitive space at minimum. Um, oh, yeah. But we also have to remember, too, this would have been, what did you say, Cody, 2011, 2012? We are like full swing into the explosion of the mobile app economy. Yeah. When oh, yeah. Every, That's a good point. Everyone's playing games on their phones. And mm-hmm. that was just like, those were all the like Samsung v Apple commercials of the time where people yep. sitting on a bench playing games on a screen of one size versus the other. I mean, that was right. that was that moment was if the you're playing a game on the go, you're doing app, it on yeah. your phone. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The freemium economy, all of that. Mm-hmm. So the Vita had that going against it, too, which was more or less, you know, technically out of its control. They could have done a couple things differently, but I just think they could have better they could have better combated the angry birds of the world had, mm-hmm. like I said, day one been like, go grab any of those games off the shelf from your PSP and everything's good. Yeah. And play it on this just genuinely better piece of hardware. That would have been their PS3 playing that whole library of PS2 games moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that- it seems like that was the moment for them as a company yeah. where their philosophy changed on that because true pivoting into the PS4 or, Yep. The PS4 launched with a better price tag, a 399 price tag, yep. had better hardware in it than the competition, an AMD GPU, a octa-core CPU, yep. custom AMD graphics, 8 gigabytes of GD, uh, DDR5 memory, like really high-end memory, especially at the mm, time. Yep. Um, and it was faster and better graphics and everything than the Xbox One launch console, Xbox One, and better price point. but zero backwards compatibility out of the box yep. so they just that zero. this was the generation where they went nope we're not doing that anymore you can get some of the ps1 games that will resell you for a price yeah they realize they can the remake store. them or resell them right right 
and, and, you know, and that was, you know, that was kind of the end of that era. And which is hilarious because that's when Microsoft went, okay, well, you know, we're going to let you play 360 games and original Xbox titles on the Xbox one. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of like switched philosophies yeah. and, uh, because it definitely you know, took and, them time. It was not a launch thing for the Xbox One. Again, right. we'll interrogate that much, much deeper. I was just going to say, yeah, that yeah. was a whole yeah, debacle. Well, because I just, a cheat forward, you know, a preview to that episode. Cody, one of my favorite memories is the knockdown drag out argument you, me, and another friend yeah. of the show had um, about whether or not we'd ever see backwards compatibility on the Xbox. And I want to say it was a week later they announced back compat. Yep. And um, yeah, that we weren't the only ones really upset really about it all. No. We were the only people. <laughs> but and also, this was the first console. I don't know if it was the first console or if it was the same for both generations. Um, where where you to get multiplayer access you had to buy a subscription yep play games online Mm -hmm. yeah xbox live and yeah and playstation plus so you had to have so like if you got a game that you wanted to play with your friends you had to have a five whatever it was at the time five dollar or nine dollar a month subscription Mm -hmm. to be able to log in to do that um which well these were physical consoles very much going back to even the app example realizing they now wholly lived in a digital connected space Right. I mean, there's just these buying a console, buying a disc, throwing it in, playing the game like that was still a part of the experience. But there was it was a piece of the experience right. that was now so much bigger. I mean, that was another place that the PS4 just leapt out compared to the Xbox One because Microsoft went too far down that rabbit hole. Again, not to tell mm-hmm. a future episode too early, but they bet on a very different direction from hey, this is a game console. And that gave Sony a huge leap forward that they're they're maintaining to this day. The narrative around the current generation of consoles is very much driven by that ground zero of, no, no, this is just a game console. Sure, you can Mm -hmm. play Blu-rays. Sure, you can do all these other things. But at the end of the day, it's a game console. Come buy it and play our games. And people Mm -hmm, did. The PlayStation 4 was a resounding success. Yeah, big time. Oh, yeah. Yep, I actually Um, own this one. Yeah, like when it came out. As did I. Um, Again, followed the same playbook, slimmed it down a few times. I think it might have went through a price point change or Mm -hmm. two here or there. But I mean, on the whole, it was just a ubiquitous platform that... um, really really drove the whole industry forward caused microsoft to do more or less a mid-generation reset on their entire direction for the better mind you again yeah not to keep harping on the competition thing but that is one of my favorite examples of competition led to not one but two if you want to throw the switch in there because i don't think it would be what we know it is today without these things three better products because sony's commanding lead didn't lead them to squashing their competitors it forced their competitors to be better and make better devices that we now get to enjoy every day so uh, the ps4 is it's so funny because i don't necessarily think about it as much i mean i I had one played one still have one on a shelf somewhere but it's like Mm -hmm. Definitely don't have the nostalgic connection. We talk about nostalgia all on the show and sense memory. Like notice, I think it's funny when we do these episodes, the closer we get to modern day, the the less time we spend per generation. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because I could sit here and talk (laughs) about the PS2 for a whole episode. The Mm. PS4 was like, yeah, it was a device. It was a great device. I remember buying it. I remember breaking it. I remember buying another one. Um, Yeah. yeah, Bought some guy. It was, it was, it was, it was a utility, but it wasn't like alive the way that I felt like some of my earlier game consoles were these magic tricks. They started becoming more just a computer then right Mm -hmm. um the earlier ones shouldn't have been like in my brain then they shouldn't have been possible like you 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 plunk down some cash or in my case you know you annoy your grandparents long enough and Mm -hmm. um you know come christmas time this big box arrives under the christmas tree and now this incredible experience that i'd never seen before was happening in front of my eyes on a tv set i I don't really have those same moments like sure like getting all up into you know we have the ps5 currently that's the current generation um again wildly successful in so much as you can get one i think the story of the ps5 to date is in the last 30 days i saw for the very first time the words ps5 and on sale in the same sentence and it was i still can't find them in local stores here yeah um, th- that's, that's the story of the PS5 generation is it is, it is the COVID era console where supply chains were and continue to be somewhat limited. Um, therefore there weren't as many to get to begin with. 
throw in people were in their homes for a very extended period of time looking for something to do. And this emerging console generation of the PS5 um, and the and the Xbox Series X and S, that, that was the thing to go do for a lot of people yeah. if you could get one. Mm-hmm. And um, some of my, sadly, earliest memories of this console generation was watching people pay two and three times sticker price yeah, to get their hands on yeah. one happily. Because it was combination supply chain access and the scalping was out of control. It is out mm-hmm. of control. I mean, the bots would get in there and buy them every single time there'd be a drop. The retailers would flail at doing anything meaningful about it. Yep. Um, and then people would get them and then sell them for ruinous upcharges. And, you know, no one's holding a gun to their head. No one had to buy them. They got the money because people were willing to pay it. But still, mm-hmm. doesn't make it right in my mind. Right. That's because. It, Gaming is for everyone. I mean, it really is one of those things where, you know, I'm paraphrasing one of Phil Spencer's quotes over at Xbox. You know, when we when we game, we all win. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I really do believe that. Like, I'm hugely competitive. Don't get me wrong. I hate losing more than anything. <laughs> but I would rather play a great game and lose than never have played because it's that that's where the experience is. Totally. And um, so this generation specifically, again, as we kind of turn up the tempo here a little bit, for me was driven the narrative, even when I look back, I've, at least I imagine when I look back on it 10 plus years from now is going to be, yeah, that was the generation where getting your hands on one was the big deal. Yeah. The consoles are amazing. The PS5, the Series X, Series, they're all, they're, they're amazing what they can do. But Cody, to your point, they are, they're powerful computers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're playing, they're, they're playing powerful computer games on my TV and they look amazing. But the narrative was, holy crap, you got one. That's amazing. Yeah. Like that, it that, still that is that cool. i mean God, still I, that. I i i would love to get a ps5 but you know <laughs> yeah. like i just I don't right. have one in my area and you know and they're they're online now i can probably get one from places like adorama or whatever you know that right. most people don't go to to shop for that kind of stuff it's just you know i got the i got the microsoft one because that's kind of what i've been invested in and then you know there's a few games that i want to get for the that I can't get anywhere else. Like we talked about exclusives, Mm -hmm. but they haven't been important enough for me to plunk down another 500 bucks on a console. So it's just, you know, well, as we start to wrap this one up, the last thing I wanted to touch on in you know, the history of the PlayStation is something we actually glossed over back towards the tail end of the PS4 and has a meaningful moment right now with the PS5, and that is Sony's entry. So we talked about the the, the PlayStation, the PSP, and the PS Vita. You know, those, mm-hmm. those were their entries into the mobile market. Sony has a story history of being willing to give things a shot and to great success in most cases. Um, another area of that during the PS4 generation was the PlayStation VR. They yep. entered the VR space oh, right, alongside yeah. Oculus and Vive and everyone else in a, in a, in a genuinely meaningful way. Um, and they did so. It, it sold pretty well as far as I, I, I know yeah. many people that had them. They weren't, again, it, it didn't do Oculus numbers, but it was a very, very accessible way for if you already have this console, go buy this thing. It was a bit of a hack. Let's call it what it is. Mm. I remember it used like the motion bar and like the, it was like the, yeah. we didn't even touch on the freaking glow stick ice cream cone motion controllers oh, yeah. that PlayStation when tried to combat out, yeah. the Wii. Um, Cause frankly, it wasn't forgot worth about talking those. about. Yeah. Everyone forgot sure. about those. And really their most useful utility was alongside the PSVR because they right. were the interaction device along with, with a PlayStation VR. Um, custom titles for it you know spec for spec it wasn't up there with the um with some of the direct pc competitors but the cost of entry was nothing comparatively speaking because at the time yeah. especially you didn't just need the the vr goggles you also needed the two thousand dollar computer to run the thing compared right. to plug this into your playstation you probably already have and you're off and running um so where it comes full circle to today though is in the last 60 days sony launched the psvr2 to much mm-hmm. fanfare and um it's not selling great near as i can tell at least pre- yeah. pre-orders were you well, know meh. the moment has kind of passed for vr being it's gonna it's gonna slowly right come it's along and iterate move. But yes. it was like it had, we had a big spike there for a little while, and especially at the beginning of COVID and everything, where it was a big deal. And I think that that's when the PSVR sort of took off. Was when yes. people could get that easier than some other stuff, or it was more accessible because, like, said, they already had the in their living there. room because right. that's what they wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. And now <laughs> that kind of watershed moment is over, and we're going to end the slow burn. So they just released the hardware 
yeah. about so obviously a year this is not his, this is not <laughs> historical because it's happening right now but my quick take notes in the PSVR2 is one of the best VR experiences I've ever had going back to like that that kid in the living room moment like when I mm-hmm. when I when I played Gran Turismo for the first time in in, in on VR. the PSVR2 it it, it was a it was generally like I had a moment in the pit of my stomach like it was I was pure delight so it, nice. it is an incredible piece of hardware um but going back to Sony's playbook it is a comparatively expensive piece of hardware but that's also because we've also talked about meta is it's direct competition of course the meta quest 2 which mm. meta had to raise the price of because they were selling it at so much of a loss to squash yep. their competition um and of course the quest 2's big thing is it, it can run independent you can just buy one and use it the vr2 yep. is worthless without a playstation so cool <laughs> Synergi- you got to buy one buy the other that's I, I get that play but eric to your point much earlier in the episode for me one of the biggest like shaker moments for the psvr2 is no backwards compatibility yep so there was a pretty substantial not huge but a pretty substantial library of psvr compatible games that if you want to keep playing them in vr you're going to keep a whole separate vr infrastructure that no one's going to do laying around right therefore those titles either die on the vine or be brought forward and you'll buy them again right yeah yeah that's seems kind of it seems the way that they're going and i mean nintendo was the one that kind of started all that like you can't take your oh. you can't take your 3ds title yeah. or your your ds titles to your 3ds you know online library and you know all that kind of like they didn't you have to rebuy your games and it's you know they i don't know i hate that cody how many that, times but... have you rebought the same game on an on a nintendo console because uh, yeah a couple yeah a usually a couple right it's like <laughs> Because that's what they said. They don't resell them physically, nope. right? Or whatever. Yep. So you got to go buy what them did. on whatever thing. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, we could go into the weeds on this, but yeah. <laughs> we could. But Multiple times. No, so we're, we're more or less, I mean, it's crazy to think that we're approaching at least mid cycle with this generation. And again, the story of this generation has been the COVID years and that most people that were not most, but a lot of people that wanted them couldn't or can't get them due to ongoing supply. And I, I do want to book in when I said the PS five was quote unquote on sale the other day it's considered on sale because you can buy it with a game that's normally sixty dollars for ten dollars over the normal price of a ps5 so the sale is you're getting a pack in for a ten dollar upcharge but because that's technically less than buying the console in the game the console is on sale so, <laughs> that sounds about right if that uh, doesn't bring it full circle back yeah. to our black friday episode i don't know what does right. <laughs> Oh, well, man, I haven't thought that much about Sony and Sony and PlayStation in general is one of those brands. that's so much a part of my gaming DNA. So therefore my DNA, I don't find I think about it as much as even say a Nintendo. But when you sit there and unpack it like that, there's a there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. We're here. We're here both with Sony and with the industry in general, doing no small part to what Sony has done over those, you know, 20 years plus that we just 30, almost 30 years we talked about. Yeah. Um, and and, and like you talked about the, with the competition and everything, I don't think, as you touched on, there's no better example of competition driving innovation than in the gaming space. True. You know, they, they're the ones, those three companies constantly trying, vying for the top and trying to outdo each other mm-hmm. is why we have essentially now high end desktop computers that we can As get <laughs> for like yeah. 500 bucks. Yeah, True. it is kind of, crazy. you know, I mean, if you tried to make a, a computer with 16 gigs of DDR six yep. and you know, what, what is essentially like a 3070 card in there that does ray tracing and a decent size hard drive in a fast hard drive, that's the thing, a good high end hard drive, mm-hmm. like they have in there with yes. really good transfer rates. You're looking at a $2,000 computer yeah. without blinking and you Once can get the same performance so, for 500 bucks. And- yeah, once a year or so, I sit down and get a wild hair and do the exercise of, quote unquote, what would it cost to parts and build out my own console? And then I remember what a value a modern game console yeah. is. Yeah. And again, get into the economies of it. We we know they're selling the console mm. late generation at break even, early generation at a loss because the games are where they make their money. And the subscriptions, yeah. And the subscriptions, mm. especially now, yes. But still, it is going back to when we game, we all win. Like, 
the accessibility of the game console to the broader populace is mm-hmm. one of my favorite things about it. I'm yep. not saying these are cheap devices. They're not. I am. Mm-hmm. I will never make light of a several hundred dollar purchase before you go out and spend 50 dollars a pop for the right and experience to play the game but on the flip side and i'm just going to pick on xbox here real quick because it's a more direct example but when i think about someone who just wants to break into gaming handing them a series s and a one-year subscription to game pass yeah. welcome to gaming i mean yeah. really oh, i yeah. just your next year will be plenty fun exploring the world of gaming with that one console and that one subscription Oh, and yeah, don't get me wrong, that's the strategy because it's a gateway drug. I know mm-hmm. what they're doing, but I just, if it's ever something that someone's wanted to do, and it does cross many generations, it does cross a lot of barriers where gaming is just ubiquitous in a way that there are other things like it, but there's not that many. And I think no. that's one of the reasons totally. why I love it so much. Agreed. So. Well, on that cultural bombshell, I guess, <laughs> uh, we will wrap it up there for this week. Anything you guys have here at the end? Nope. I think that's well, it. Mm-hmm. Game on, right? Game on. Yes, game on. Sure. All right. Well, with that, we will wrap it up and catch you next time. Later. Later. Later.